0: Algar, Algar Productions, productions. 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 you are listening to the post-atomic horror podcast with Ron Algar Watt and Matt Robotham <audio>: episode 243 covering Jetrell and learning curve with Amanda Smith. Hi, friends. We are somehow impossibly at the end of Voyager Season 1 already.
1: Well, that wasn't so difficult, was it? So I'm Enterprise I... now, huh?
0: No, no, no. <laughs> season 1, I said. Oh. Also, uh, by process of elimination, it is Amanda's turn.
2: It's my turn. I picked an episode at random.
0: No, you told me. Just pick one. I don't care. You and Bob both gave me those instructions.
2: <laughs> I made you pick an episode at random.
0: That's what I did. Well, and we ended up with one that we quite liked and one that. Some of us liked and some of us
1: didn't. Yeah, so it was controversy.
0: Look, look forward to some discussion on that topic, or
1: possibly some one person giving up immediately.
0: <laughs> Don't do that.
2: It must be me. I'm going to give up immediately. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like, like, like you. you. Yeah. yeah,
0: totally does. Uh, some exciting news on the live show front. Uh, first of all, we are doing our uh the, the season two premiere. Yes, uh, we're recording Ooh. October seventeenth at the Pocket Theater in Seattle. Uh, yep. Information is on our website and at thepocket.org. dot uh, org, but also we we don't have anything ironed out yet. I want to make that clear. We haven't. This isn't official yet, but we are working on trying to do some of these in Portland. Which, yes, uh, Matt. Very soon we'll be moving much closer to.
1: Yes, so this that, month. Uh, so. Yeah,
0: so that we can do like half the shows in his backyard and half the shows in my backyard, mm-hmm. so that we can even out the travel a little bit and also sort of spread our influence to two cities instead of just one. Yes. And, again, if any of you know uh, uh, any place that might be receptive, uh, let us know. Yeah. That said, we will now move on with the first episode, Jetrel, or Jetril. Geritol.
1: Yes. Jetril.
0: Petril, uh, if you're a cheesoid. Three people will get that. Two of them are in this room.
1: Get the (laughs) cheesoid to sickbay? Yes.
0: Uh, It's a Mitchell and Webb thing. You should know it. Ah. I don't. So. The Voyager gets a call from somebody looking for Neelix, but upon discovering who it is, Neelix respectfully requests that they just let it go to voicemail. <laughs> Unfortunately for him, the mystery caller has said the magic word, science, which naturally gets science captain's attention. What's that? She says, science? You want to talk about science? I want to talk about that almost as much as I want to be the pretend governess of two horrible children. More about this next episode. Please come right to hell aboard! <laughs> and he does. Meet the titular Jutrell. Played by James Sloyan, who we've seen previously as the titular Romulan and The Defector, and the I-don't-think-he-was-ever-titular-but-still-pretty-damn-important-Odo's-dad, Dr. Mora. And in the grand tradition of both of those characters, he plays someone who is both shady and a bit of a mad scientist. Turns out this is the designer of some horrible genocidal weapon in a war that was used against Neelix people back in the war. Wait, we never mentioned that Neelix was in a war? Oh right, that's because the show never did that either until now. Jutrell is uh, convinced that his horrible genocidal weapon had horrible unforeseen consequences. And now he wants uh, Neelix to get tested for some disease or something. Then Neelix wails and gnashes his lung for like <laughs> 16 acts? 40? Something like that. A really long time. Seriously. He's more self-reflective and less decisive than goddamn Hamlet. <laughs> also, he just made me wish this was Hamlet because i would sure he'd be dead at the end. <laughs> but no, he doesn't die. Also, this was a Clever? ploy by Jutrell to go back to where he vaporized millions of Talaxians and attempt to reconstitute them, which both makes sense and seems like an entirely reasonable thing to try, ethically speaking. Then he fails and leaves and we are finally set free from the endless waking hell that is watching this episode. It was not very good, just in case I wasn't clear on that point.
1: I liked it. Okay,
0: well let's hear why.
1: I just thought it was a good Neelix episode. Really? I didn't find him infuriating. I found I him. I I liked his little speech. I thought Ethan Ethan Phillips. Which yes. okay,
0: seriously, not kidding. Mm-hmm. Which little speech he gave? I'm not exaggerating. Uh, five let's see. Or this would have
1: been them. the one about the dead kid. Okay. Or no, seriously. the one about the kid who didn't die but just shambled around on fire.
0: No, you were you were thinking of RoboCop there.
1: I am thinking of RoboCop.
0: I think was that Generally. RoboCop or was that Die Hard?
1: Where, no, Die Hard was the one where uh, the dad from Family from Family Matters shot a kid by accident. Right, right, right. That's it. And That's then he could I'm never pick about. up a gun again. Right, right, right.
0: No, seriously, Neelix has so many like soliloquies or little speeches about how he feels and and how her- terrible everything was, and it's just like
1: oh. I was in a war.
0: <laughs> Were you okay? Here's uh, well, first of all, let's go into your good thing before I before I tell you why you're wrong.
1: All right, I like I pff, look. This is very simple. I like yep. Neelix in this. Okay. I liked I I liked the bits with him. I liked the bit at the end with him and Dr. Jitrell, the their whole Jitrell and his deathbed and Neelix coming in. How's it going? hmm Hey, I'm not Hi. gonna tell you about my cowardice, but I will tell you that I like you.
0: I I'm white.
1: I'm very white. <laughs> yep. Do you wanna see my chef's hat? <laughs> no No one ever wants to see my chef's hat.
0: Or as you as you mentioned here, his clown suit. <laughs>
1: Matt, are you laughing at your own joke? I forgot about that one. No, there's just... At the beginning of the episode, when uh, Neelix is doing his first, like, um... This is... You don't understand, Captain. This man killed millions of Talaxians during the war that totally happened. I watched... (laughs) I watched people I loved melt into goo. And all that time, he's wearing his colorful rainbow suit with the giant buttons (laughs) and the, uh and the bobble hat
2: it would be like watching um wesley do the kills a guy speech in his rainbow right. not, rainbow not
0: outfit. not in his cool uh, uh, yeah yeah cadet outfit
1: no but in his like his stripe head <laughs> sweater
0: right
2: his curtain shirt
1: yeah
0: right curtain shirt curtain shirt That's hey curtain tough. shirt i just i i disagree first of all i don't think his acting was up to par all right Second, like, and that's, a, that's just a matter of opinion. Oh, but, god, the
2: scene, like, the, the writing in this I mean, the writing wasn't great. The writing was with,
0: mostly the problem, but
2: actually. But then when he's like, I saw so many people die, nobody <laughs> can touch this bandage.
1: Yeah, no, it oh, god,
0: <laughs> it wasn't great. But the, the big thing for me was they were trying so hard to make a DS9 episode. They were trying so hard to do like a duet, or DS9 did a couple other ones where yep. someone did something horrible in the past, and they're trying to like make up for it now. Mm-hmm. And like, Neelix is not Kira.
1: No, he is not.
0: And and putting aside for one thing, the fact he can't fill out the uniform. Well, putting aside the fact that he dresses like a clown. <laughs> putting aside the fact that he's just like the actor is not as good. We've never once heard about him being in a war. Like no, the whole that was... point. When they would tell, what's that
1: no that was a surprise i thought i did i had missed that but no uh, they never mentioned it and uh, the thing is
0: that's fine it's only season one but the reason episodes like this worked with characters like kira is because that's a big part of her backstory and maybe she brought it up a little too much but we knew it about her when it came up
1: well she brought it up so much because it was a huge part of everything she did
0: right whereas neelix like has never once mentioned he's in a war, and now and suddenly Neelix is
1: always
2: talking about something. Yeah, like it's not like he's like a reserved character who might have been keeping it to himself that he was in a war. No, he is. He talks about everything. He is.
0: Let's be clear, the Brian of that ship. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Brian. But yeah, it just it. This kind of story works with somebody like Kira, who you know was in a war, and it doesn't work with someone like Neelix, who's sudden like who's I like taking the comic relief and exploring his serious side, that that yeah. I like in It's one of the things we
1: liked about Quark.
0: Yeah, in theory. It. But when it, in practice here, it's it's a sudden serious turn that feels really out of left field and he can't carry and the writing doesn't carry. The, the super melodramatic music whenever he gave one of these speeches.
2: Oh, the music was so bad. And I've the got the a note here to... that says, hey, music, what are you trying to make me feel? Yeah. Is it bored? Because <clears> I'm bored. Is that boring music? Are you playing some boring music no, for there's
0: me here? there's a thing. Uh, Amanda and I watch uh, a guilty pleasure, very much a guilty pleasure for us is Downton Abbey. Like it's, we like it because it's a terrible over-the-top melodrama. And one of the things it does is this swelling score that tells you exactly what you should be feeling. <laughs> and every time it swells up, we just laugh. And when we're watching it with someone who, is not in on the joke they're like what what's funny
2: that guy just died why are you guys laughing because listen to the score it's ridiculous the best part is when the theme music swells up yeah that's when it's like really hard-hitting drama this
1: episode... Abbey. <laughs>
0: yeah that's it you know it
1: <laughs> why, why don't you come to your senses
2: <laughs> hey <In> retardos this... <laughs> <laughs> in this war of the classes, that's pretty You good. are the king.
0: <laughs> but this episode seriously did some
1: bad. Let the butler love you. <laughs> <laughs>
0: now I'm staring off in the distance like Elaine Bennett's boyfriend. Like
2: can we do a Downton Abbey podcast next?
0: No.
1: You're Not welcome we to it. <laughs>
2: Matt you have to come it's your penance no <laughs> you have to for watch
0: liking jitrell obviously I've you like enough. melodrama <laughs> it just it seriously it felt like melodrama and lots of wringing of hands and they had the same conversation 30 times like i don't forgive you i don't want your forgiveness well good cuz i don't forgive you and then they'd leave and then they get back together and do it again mm-hmm. and again and i'm really surprised cuz you're usually bored by that kind of yeah,
1: thing yeah i don't know what to tell you i really what? enjoyed it
2: would you say that uh Petril there was uh, a monster? Uh, I believe
1: uh... that point was touched upon once or twice.
0: And the dialogue was so like monster came up a lot. What is it? Uh the one that you really a thousand suns. A thousand suns. The, power the light was
2: brighter suns. than a thousand suns <laughs> and I was a monster, a monster.
0: And actually my quote is this literally happens. Um uh neelix walks in and says uh,
1: you're engaging in some kind of bizarre experiment aren't you i love that fucking line that is so terrible i love that line so much is it,
0: okay do you love it because it's good or do you love it because it's really out of place and terrible
1: no because you said you're conducting some kind of bizarre experiment right hey what are you doing in here
2: guys is it evil looks like evil yeah
0: <laughs> that that would be funny if this was trying to be campy but it wants to be so serious uh, Amanda, what was your good thing?
2: Um, I liked the effects and the makeup in this. Um, when we see uh, Neelix sort of being sick and sweaty <laughs> and like, and like he looks, he looks drawn and blooded. His eyes are bloodshot, and it. it you, then you look at him, you're like, oh, that's all effects. That's nothing to do with yeah. Because like, the- you lose
0: you lose your ability to express things with your face when you're under all that stuff. So the makeup guys have to make up for that.
2: Yeah. So they gave they made him look more gaunt and like they gave him sort of a sheen of sweat on top of his, all of his prosthetics. And they didn't overdo the eye thing. Like it wasn't like he had his eyes were red, but they're just a little bloodshot. Like they did good work with the contacts. No, it was and, subtle. Yeah. It was it was not. I was I was surprised because this is a show where you know bumpy headed alien whatever. The well, makeup
0: Chitrell looked.
2: Oh, Gitrell was, like, is such a bumpy-headed alien. Yeah. Um, and then when we go to the uh, genocide planet um, and we see that the, the, the thing is just, like, it's got, like, this big sort of gaping liquidy crater. It looked cool. Like, it was yeah. just a step above what I'm used to seeing on, I mean, Star Trek in general, but this show in particular.
0: I would say Voyager overall so far has really impressed me with its visual effects. Uh-huh. I would say they've been better, definitely better than next gen, and I would say maybe even better than DS9. At least some of DS9, yeah. Well, DS9 did pull off the giant masses of ships, mm-hmm. but the planets of the week kind of looked the same.
1: Yeah, well, you'd always have the planet hell looking ship, or yeah. uh, planets. No,
0: I'm, I'm, I'm not even talking when they go on location. I'm talking the initial establishing shot mm. was always basically the same. But now that, like, I, I believe I might have this wrong, but I'm pretty sure this show was the first one to use all CG rather than a little bit of CG in some models. Ah. And I think that really opened them up to try different stuff and not just have to show the same variations of five things over and over Well, a
2: lot of the ship shots in this, and I'm normally like, meh, whatever, are like really good and sort of engaging.
0: Well, they stand out because... The other two modern trek shows have been limited to wh- where you can shoot a model from. like you can only, you only got certain angles where CG you can do whatever you want. So
2: And the clothes in this, I would say, the um, civilian design? yeah, the civilian costume design in Voyager is the best costume design we've seen for civilians. Uh.
0: Sometimes, but I would argue that Scott Zioko's favorite episode time and again <laughs> did not well, have the very best costume.
2: Yeah, the the mini skirt uh corset, like corset cincher thing. Yeah. yeah. But I mean overall. Right. Um like I Kess's costuming is always great. Yeah. Yeah. And it doesn't it looks like something a human might or an alien might wear, not just like some kind of like plastic garbage pile. <laughs>
1: nothing that looks like it was made out of festive christmas wrapping paper right
0: which a lot of cisco stuff really did
1: yeah um,
2: we do see those sheets the yeah. um the, i don't know if in this bags. episode the foil the foil uh yeah. black foil sheets
1: i'm starting to think that they use those to keep warm like you were a baked potato yeah the sick bay potato bags yeah
0: exactly um speaking of sick bay my good thing mm-hmm. i struggled because this uh, this is a really superlative week for me like this is my favorite episode the next one is my favorite episode of season one and this is my least favorite episode of season one and I'm I'm not kidding like that sounds like an exaggeration but really I like this one there was almost nothing to like for me in this one because you got to admit Matt if you don't buy into that main premise which you did uh uh-huh. there's nothing left
1: no there's no si- there's no subplots or anything
0: no there's nothing you there's really no, just like, have
1: to be all like oh I like Jartal and his friend
0: yeah you're you you bought into it and that's cool but that's the one thing and if mm-hmm. you don't like it you're, you're done Yep. Um, but I did like uh, we had a nice little doctor moment where he now gets to turn himself off which we've talked about but we get to see it mm-hmm. he says uh, computer switch off the EMH and he goes away and it's like aw they gave, him, they gave him a little autonomy that's cool
1: I am really looking forward to I'm pretty sure this happens later in the series but I don't know when I'm really looking forward to the doctor being able to get out of sickbay I feel he feels so cut off not being able to leave there. I,
0: I think that's on purpose. I think he's supposed to be like that right now. And I, I can think, see that. I think the impact of him finally leaving is going to be really, like, if they do it right, mm. it's going to feel like a, a triumph. You know what I mean? Like Yeah. And, like, it's a good thing to give him a couple of seasons where he can't and then do it. You know?
1: It just, every time we go down to Sick Bay, it always seems like, like it, it there's, it, it never feels quite connected to anything else that's happening, even when he's talking to Janeway or whatever. It
0: depends. I feel like some episodes do a better job of, of, you know, following someone from the bridge down to Sick Bay and, and it all feels like the same thing. And mm-hmm. sometimes they just sort of cut back and forth and it doesn't feel like in the next episode because they're helping solve the problem. Yeah. Yeah. They feel more connected, I think.
2: I forget who brought it up who said that sometimes it feels like when you get to Sick Bay, you're switching to a different show. Yeah. Um, like, I don't think it's always like that. And in the next episode, you're right, it is more connected. Well, because
0: they're more involved in the actual plot. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, that's
1: definitely a vibe I get sometimes.
2: Where it's like, oh, and here's the, the Doctor and Kess show. It's like, oh, good, characters I like. Let's ignore the rest of these guys. <laughs> Kess and the Doctor are talking. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, no, co- we can't switch the channel back. Ah, oh, the Tom Paris show. Uh, come, uh,
1: come, uh, come on, Amanda. Ch- Chakotay has something to say.
0: Mm, I don't think that he does. Does he? Matt.
1: Uh, Him. Who? <laughs> yeah. Uh, <Can> but- Chakotay. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Let me tell you the story about Baron Coyote and the Man Egg. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's disgusting.
0: <laughs> well, they got they got all glittered up for Easter. <laughs> I mean, Native American Easter. <laughs> uh, Amanda, what was your bad thing?
2: Um, this, you, you've sort of touched on this a little bit already, but we explain the premise of this no less than four or five times. I don't know.
0: To be clear, I was complaining about the emotional hand-wringing. You're talking about a different repetitive thing.
2: They just, they, okay, so uh, petrol comes on the station and explains, or the station, oh, Yes, I'm stuck in Voyager. I'm stuck in uh, DS Nine time. They come on. They come. He comes upstairs onto the ship, mm-hmm. and uh, he explains what's going on, how the um, how the planet got destroyed, and how he genocided a bunch of people, and the you know the pseudo science of the week, and then Neelix explains it again, to and then he explains the disease. And then someone else explains the disease to Neelix again. I think it's Janeway. And then we explain how it's also um, affecting the sort of limbo, half-dead, half-alive, like, suffering goop on the planet.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And uh, so, and, and then, then we explain it again when it turns <laughs> out Neelix doesn't have it, but Jetril does. Like, it's just the same plot point over and over and over and And we get it i get it i get it it's bad it's bad
0: in my experience it really alternated between that and then a hand-wringing speech and then that and then like that's it that was the entire content of the episode not great matt counterpoint
1: uh no i enjoyed it
0: defend your favorite episode matt
1: (laughs) Oh, yeah, my favorite. Don't you pull this Scott Zioko shit with me. Oh, no,
0: no. I'm here
1: every damn week.
0: I know. I put the
1: goddamn time in. You're not pinning this Jet Trail episode on me, (laughs) you ass.
0: So it's not great. That's what you're saying.
1: It was fine. It was fine, and there was things I enjoy about it. It is not my favorite episode. (laughs) I haven't decided which is my favorite episode.
0: Mine is next, but we'll get there in a minute. Okay, I will say I I did legitimately, like, there was a kernel of a few good ideas I thought here. I like the idea, like, okay, I didn't like the super, super, super transparent, it's obvious this guy's supposed to be Oppenheimer, and we're talking about the A-bomb. Like, Were we?
2: I didn't pick that up. Was that what this is about?
1: Yeah, apparently so. I have a note here that's like, this has never happened in the history of Earth.
0: Yeah, this is nothing like, I mean, there are almost direct quotes. Like, I've read, you know, not a lot, but probably at some point I read a book about him or something, about Oppenheimer, and he regretted it later. Like one of the guys who helped design the A bomb, really, no kidding.
2: But I think I'd heard him uh, talk about scientific inevitability as well. Like mm-hmm. i but not heard him talk. No, that's I'm, what I'm saying. I didn't a listen lot listen of... to the Oppenheimer podcast, right? But um... no,
0: but I like a lot of the quotes were similar, and and it's it's clear they just read something about him and just wrote it into the script. But I do like the idea of him trying to do this horrible scientific atrocity. Where he's trying to bring them back, he's trying to sort of reverse beam them out of like.
1: Oh yeah, Look, can we talk about that for a well, minute? For, for, that first of was all, cool.
0: I don't think that they're actually still conscious out there. Oh, I do. I see. I don't. I I think there's two interpretations of that. I <sighs> think they're sort of vaporized, and he's trying to unvaporize them. And when oh, he no. when he resolidifies them, then they're conscious. But I don't screaming think they're floating.
1: Greeting jelly, up no. yeah, that's that was my assumption jelly. too.
0: No, I don't think that.
2: And and it's gonna last forever.
0: Yeah. Okay.
1: This either the, way though, it's
2: bad. Either way,
1: yeah, a, a, a fate ten million times worse than death. Yeah, no, but
0: I do. Is
2: it a fate worse than a thousand suns, Matt?
1: <laughs> yes, much worse.
0: Are you conducting some kind of bad analogy here? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's I like I I like that idea. I like the idea that he came up with something so horrific, and he is trying to to you know to make it right, and it's just awful. And
2: that the effects on that were cool too. Like when we had the the,
1: fucking dust ghost. Yeah, the
0: screaming transporter guy trying to come out and it just doesn't work.
2: And the um, the containment goop, where it sort of looks kind of like organic, but also like a dead rotting thing. It
1: was nice work. Oh, I'm gonna. I noticed a theme in Voyager that keeps coming up. Uh, Bad stuff in jars.
2: That's that's there was a there was a sequence in the uh, episode where. Um, he comes down and he's talking to Bell, uh, the doctor is, and he says, uh, sorry, uh, petrol is, and he says, ooh, I don't know if this jar is going to be big enough to contain my <laughs> stuff. Are you sure? And she's like, listen, we do this all the time. We know what we're doing. And I'm like, dude, Bell, no, you don't. Remember when that lightning, that whippy lightning thing came out like last week? It happens all the time. You were mm-hmm. bad at containment.
1: Trust me. We know a thing or two about jars here on Voyager. The captain's well. really into preserving. <laughs>
0: No, ne- you want some peaches? The very <laughs> next episode, we're gonna find out how good they are at containment. Mm-hmm. Actually, about uh, about quarantine procedures, which we were often uh, criticizing the Enterprise for, but Voyager's just as bad. Um, uh, what else? Um, nothing. Oh, there was a there was a bit where Neelix had a, an anxiety dream, like a guilt yep. dream. Mm-hmm. I actually like that. I usually hate TV dreams.
1: No, that, um, that one was actually really well done.
0: Well, I usually hate them because we're meant to believe that they're real, mm-hmm. and I never buy it, and I hate it, and they there was no question about it, and it was actually shot genuinely creepily, and I've had my share of anxiety dreams, and it seemed like it had elements of an actual one.
1: So. Yeah, I like that him, like, like arguing with himself, but mm-hmm. he's not himself. Right,
0: and then other people that sort of represent the people that he feels guilty about showing up. and
1: Although and, I have a real problem with Tom Paris appearing in his dream because <laughs> I'm pretty sure Neelix cares nothing about Tom Paris. Yeah, but you know
0: how dreams work. They just bring in the last five people you saw.
1: Mm. I liked um, Kes
2: as the stand-in for the, the dead family and friends. Yeah, because that's who he planet. loves now. Yeah. So. And they did another talk. Still talking about the makeup. They, did, they monstered her up real good.
0: Yeah. Oh,
1: yeah. Burnt yeah. to death Kes looked fucking great. So mm-hmm. good.
0: I actually didn't recognize her until she spoke up. She has yeah. a very distinctive voice, so... Oh, that's Cass. Interesting.
1: Neelix, I'm on fire!
0: <laughs> um, That is pretty much all I had. What about y'all?
1: Uh, just looking at my notes here. No.
0: Amanda?
1: Um...
2: There's a sequence – actually, there was one more thing I did want to talk about as Mm -hmm. far as uh, potential for the episode. Okay. Um, Another thing that I sort of liked – that they didn't really get to was your sort of conscientious objector character, maybe realizing that yes, it was still good that I didn't fight in the war, or maybe no, I should have fought in the war because this was bad enough that it was worth fighting for. Um, because Neelix turns out that he didn't fight because he didn't believe in the war. Yeah, that yeah, no, was, he our... was a
1: cowardly pacifist. Yeah. That was no, 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 no. Let's be clear.
0: Because he said he was opposed to the reasons they were fighting. I am a pacifist. If someone invaded my country, I wouldn't be objecting to those reasons. I just wouldn't want to get my hands bloody my own self.
2: But But those are are, good reasons. But there are pacifists who would never fight. Just don't want to fight at all. Who would never fight even if they thought that this was something that one could fight for.
1: Right.
0: Um, What bothered me about this whole development, though, is so standard Star Trek structure to say... Like, in the first act, we think he fought in a war. In the second act, we find more about it. In the third act, the big reveal is that he was never in the war. Then the fourth act, there's another big surprise. Like, those surprises lose their impact every time you do this exact formula. Because we're waiting boring. for it. Yeah. We see it coming. And, you know, but it's I, not great.
2: I think that's the kernel of a good idea. And I don't think we've done a ton of pacifist stuff or uh, no, we have. objector stuff.
0: We actually had a fair amount in the original series, as I recall.
2: Oh, yeah. That was a while. Yeah. They they were all cowards in the original series, well, uh, but something with a little bit more of a modern um, yeah, take on it, I thought would have been good, but they didn't really get into that. They just like he just felt guilty.
0: Yeah. No, there was there was a kernel of a good idea there as well. Like um, Neelix, like they could have fleshed that out, but they'd rather focus on the, the bickering between the two of them.
2: And I mean, I like the actor who played oh, yeah. uh Jetril, and I thought he did an okay job with what was in front of him, but the script was so frosty. Like there was they, they all needed to stay frosty and watch all <laughs> of their sixes.
0: They had like a thousand sons. Like a
2: thousand sons.
0: Yeah. I concur. Matt is I mean, wrong is what we're saying. Well and this is his favorite fuck. episode. See <laughs> so you oh, no. this time. Don't be nope. giving
1: me that Scotzioko crap. <laughs>
0: Uh, one one final thing. Um, as I'm looking at my summary here in, in the document, uh, there's a red underline on the word horrible, which is spelled correctly, and it says, did you mean terrible? <laughs> All right. Amanda, tell us about my favorite episode of season one, Learning Curve.
2: Are you prepared to right. have that be called your favorite episode of season one? Well,
0: season one's over. This are is you, the finale. Are you prepared
2: for it, though? Like, are you going to have, we're going to wear that as a badge? Yes. We can All get right. you a
0: badge. I mean, I guess not really a badge guy, but, you know. Oh, you
1: will be once you've got some badges to wear.
0: I got more badges than you.
2: Well, it's <laughs> okay that you wear badges, because that's part of the, that you're allowed to wear that in Starfleet.
0: Right, <laughs> of course. Yeah. You're not allowed to wear a headband. No, no. God, no. Okay.
2: Disgusting headbands. Right,
0: all right, yes, go, <laughs> okay. tell us, go, go.
2: We enter on Janeway's Jane Austen's adventure in babysitting. Oh, Mr. Darcy, I would love to teach your children how to forget they're dead or possibly locked in an attic mother, she says, when suddenly, deadly danger. Oh, wait, no. Everything's fine, but Mum's romance form seems to be malfunctioning. The entire senior crew rushes to see what could have disrupted Janeway's detachable showerhead. <laughs> it turns out it's one of those organic gel packs, and we say gel pack almost as often in this episode as we said EXOCOM!
1: EXOCOM!
0: Exocomp.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so, the uh, gel pack has rotted out, and Dobby, a Maquis who doesn't give a damn about what Starfleet thinks, Fix it without checking to see if anyone had run a hot bath and was trying to relax after a long day. <laughs> Janeway, Tuvok, and that ironing board with the face tattoo Oh, oh, no, no, wait, that's Chakotay. His name's Chakotay, right? I think so. Egg? Egg. Discuss the problems of Maquis, insubordination, and crew integration. Huh. I thought we'd all decided to just get along and be fully integrated without it coming up again in the plot. I'm pleasantly surprised. Janeway decides what they need is a good old fashioned boot camp story with Tuvok as Lee of
0: Arlie Ermy. Yes, with
2: Arlie Ermy. Yes, yeah. It's tough, tough to say. <laughs> so we have a little bit of left, left. There are no real Klingons left. <laughs> Unfortunately, none of this ragtag group of mullity rebels give much of a damn about uh, what's going on. Not Chell, the comic relief bullion, Garen, the brooding one, Henley, the um. Well, uh, she's the girl. Uh, Chakotay does give a damn about them, uh, showing up for their running classes though, and punches Dobby until he grudgingly shows up for Tuvok's Zumba seminar. They begin to work better as a team, a Tuvok-hating team. Meanwhile, systems keep failing because gel packs are getting sick. Tuvok discovers that some of Neelix's gross old cheese is making the ship sick. No. No, no, really. <laughs> and uh, here, I know this is a little out of ordinary, out of order, but I'd like to play a quote for a certain. Yes, Gav I,
0: I gave you dispensation for a second quote, just just to honor Irish Gav.
2: It, it's it's really in honor of Irish Gav, yeah. and that'll go here. Get the cheese to sick bay. Um, the, doctor and Kes re- the doctor and Cass realize that they need to starve a Cardassian cold and feed an Andorian fever. Oh, and turn the heat up like way up until everyone's nearly passed out. You know, like it's my house any day of the week. And this is going to burn out the cheese sickness. Systems keep failing, and Tuvok and his Maquis problems are trapped in a dangerous cargo bay. Surprisingly few barrels. He sends the Quiet One to his doom and realizes that at the last minute he needs to save him, or all hopes of a Voyager boy band are lost. Oh no! Dobby grudgingly agrees to follow Starfleet regulations as long as nobody gives him one of Neelix's old socks, and he'll continue to be no Tribble at all.
1: I gotta um, tell you, Neelix's gross old cheese might be my new favorite line that's ever appeared on one of these shows. And
0: that does not, like, I my, when, when she wrote her uh, summary earlier in the week, she's like, uh, what do you think? Is this pretty, is this good? I said, absolutely, this is funny. Um, no, no, no,
2: what I said is, this is good, and yes. slammed it on your desk and left.
0: Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you printed it out for some reason.
2: I did. I printed it out elsewhere because we don't have a printer here.
0: Right. No, here. I have a printer oh, in my office. Okay,
2: today. so I emailed it to you, had you print it out, then slammed it on your
1: desk with my right. gun and my badge. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and then had him type it back up again so we could yeah. go in the text. So document. now I have another badge. <laughs> so that's good.
0: No, you you just you, you know ask for suggestions, whatever is this you know, and and I said yeah, but you need to be very clear. That that cheese thing is real. Oh no, it's, you didn't it's, it's make it's that, real. like because we often embellish for our comedy summaries because that's what we do on this show. What but people need to know that the che- there uh, s- some stinky old cheese that Neelix got <laughs> made the ship get a cold, <laughs> and it was great. It wasn't stupid. Oh, I, well, it was fun.
2: The
1: the description of the episode is
2: dumb. Wow, well,
1: this, is, this is good. Hey Al, what's your favorite episode of the show? Oh, definitely the one where Neelix's cheese gave the ship a cold.
0: I mean, that's a B story, and it's rightfully a B story. First of all, if it had been the focus, it, it wouldn't have been as good. Second of all, if Brandon Braga had wrote it, they would have spent half the episode explaining why the cheese made the ship sick. Oh,
1: well, it would have, have been to a ghost cheese
2: mold. Yeah, you'd have to explain mold. We know. We they know. give us. They give us we about know,
0: two very quick science reminders that of of stuff we all know. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, yeah, biological processes make cheese, and germs are in biological things. I get it. Hmm. I totally get it. Tracks? Yeah. It's stupid, but Matt and I were talking about this earlier. Sometimes things go wrong for very petty, stupid, tiny reasons.
1: Yeah, I'm kind of okay with the dumbest thing in the world causing this incredibly yeah. like, problematic thing. Absolutely. And you from know? a
2: storytelling standpoint, the A and B plots were nicely integrated without it being like super on the nose. Well, yeah.
0: I didn't re I was really worried that the last act would be the misfit commandos all coming together to save the ship. And instead, dramatically they had to come together to save themselves. Yeah. Because they were trapped somewhere, but they didn't save the ship at all, which is good. That was that was the predictable way and they didn't go that way and I'm very happy about that. Mm-hmm. Um I do need to to make one very specific point of, of order here, though, which you've been calling Janeway's uh, holo novel uh, like, you know, I, li- I like your I like your jokes there. But let's be clear. She spent her entire time with two very young children. She's not having sex right now.
2: No, but she's like she's gonna with like. Yeah, but with, in this episode with, uh, with I don't know. MacGuffin Darcy or whatever he's called. Yeah,
0: yeah, no, no, no. the 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 goal of this video game is ultimately to get to the final boss and get laid. I assume. Yeah, mm-hmm. get
2: laid by the like the the tragic brooding gentleman with the right. half dead wife up in the attic.
0: But this level, we're watching her on level one right now, is two small children with whom she is not having sex. Let's no, be abundantly is, clear this on this point. This
2: is the intro. This is the intro scene. Right,
0: she got the cutscene last week, and now she's starting to play. Yeah, but. It, this it,
1: is what you have to suffer through.
0: You call this a sex thing, and I just want to be clear. If someone's just coming in on this episode, no. This is not... There's no <laughs> As sex. As she's
1: being yelled at by the small child, this is not a sex thing.
0: I also don't see how that's fun. Like, right? I, like, okay, I, I'm i not into Victorian stuff. I'm not into Jane Austen, but I get that in, in principle. But I don't get how being yelled at by awful children is in any way fun for anyone ever.
2: No, but I can... if you... If you read this stuff, these are common tropes in these no, types no, she'll of she'll get to
0: the good part, I get that. Yeah. But this part is not fun.
2: Oh, and she'll
1: get to go to the ball.
0: I also give uh um, Mulgrew credit for not trying to do an English accent because I don't yes. think she can. No. And she didn't. She just used to I'm the normal from voice. London. Yes.
1: Pip <laughs> <laughs> pip, cheerio.
0: Yep. I'm glad she didn't
1: do that. Bangers it. and mash. <laughs> Okay. No, I, I actually, the only thing I can sort of see is her enjoying teaching science to these kids.
0: No, there's a great bit where the kid says something to her in Latin, and he's like, Oh, you don't know what that is, huh? Well, I guess you can't t- help me with my lessons. She's like, uh, Maybe I need to brush up on my Latin, but when it comes to math and science, I will kick your ass, little kid. And <laughs> listen, it's like, you little yeah. shit.
1: Listen, you little shit. You have no idea how dead this language is now. <laughs> <You> <laughs> it, thought was it was dead, dead before.
0: You- yeah, it was dead in this simulation of 19th century England, but we're 500 years past that now. Yeah.
1: It's deader. It's dead. It's come back to life. It's been in a Michael Jackson video. It's died again.
0: <laughs> no, it's I, like, and this is a total throwaway beginning thing. I like it. I like that there's this sort of running. I like the idea of a hollow novel because they have sort of continuing, like, I don't care about the story so much, but we see them back doing their thing again. Mm-hmm. I, like, I like that concept.
2: And I've uh, heard that we don't get too much more of her doing this, and I kind of think that's a shame. Like, I wouldn't want to do like a whole episode about it, no. but like a thirty-second throwaway. No, every bit, time I, they like...
0: cut away to Janeway on her in her on her off time, she's doing this. Yeah, that's cool.
1: Now it's definitely not the worst thing we can see the captain doing. Like, wh- like when when it when the scene opens with her like doing the opening windows thing. Yeah. I'm like, oh, but you know, they turn me around on that scene pretty quick.
0: No, the whole thing. And and the thing is, if it's done right, and it was here. Mm. It's, a, it's a little bit of insight into her character. It really is. Like, this is what she does in her off time. Why does she choose this? What's interesting to her about this?
2: It made oh. me wonder if she taught at the academy. I don't think we've heard one way or the other, but it seems like something that she might have done. I don't know. That's
1: I don't. That's a I don't good know. question. Yeah. I don't see any
0: particular, like, teaching skills in her, but I don't not see them either, so I don't no, know. No, I could
1: definitely see that being a thing. Maybe. You know? Yeah.
0: I think we're just thinking science equals science teacher, and that's not necessarily true. But
2: no, yeah. no. Science equals science teacher equals meth
1: lab.
0: <laughs> wow. Okay. <laughs> well, now I want to watch that show.
1: Science, Mr. Janeway. <laughs>
0: <laughs> this, Magnets, isn't <laughs> this isn't math, bitch. This isn't math. No. Okay, but we're we're oh, really talking about. Wait, does that make, does black. that make her
1: name of the Heisenberg yeah. compensator? <laughs>
0: <laughs> I want to see her in that hat now.
1: I want to see them making meth in a shuttlecraft. Yeah. Yeah.
0: No, this this is this out a on a
1: fucking show. desert planet. Yep.
0: <laughs> who who would do it with her though? Oh, Kess. Yeah. Yeah, that feels about right.
2: Oh, if you want someone who's sort of like annoying to begin with, use Tom Paris.
0: No, because Jesse Pinkman became likable, and I don't think Tom Paris will ever become. Like yeah, yeah. No, that was the
1: thing about that me. show was those characters switched from being unlike like mm. they Ooh. they started like one of them started likable and the other one wasn't and then they switched. Balana. Oh, yes, yeah. there you go. Because yeah. she's
0: got the attitude, but now she's calming down and learning like how to do her job. Yeah. So there we go. Glad we got that sorted out.
1: Good. Done.
0: Somebody draw that. Mm-hmm. They they may. Um. But anyway, we're not we're we're bearing the lead here. The best part was this whole Tuvok thing.
1: Oh man, this was fantastic. So and good.
0: I'm just gonna go into my good thing. We've done like I mean we've been doing this show about the military for hundreds of episodes, and they've never done a boot camp thing, which is a huge cornerstone of military stories. We've never done a Starfleet boot camp story before. Like, this is what I've been saying about Voyager. Like, you have the opportunity to, to put your mark on Star Trek and to do angles we've never seen before. And they've done it a few times. And this is another one of those times where it's like, here's a military thing that we've never seen and it's done really well.
2: It's yeah. kind of surprising that we haven't done this in Star Trek to this point. Yeah. They, I mean, I guess they do later on. They do a little bit in the, uh, the reboot of uh, original series. But... Even there, not much. It's not really about. No, we that. see them at the academy, yeah.
0: but that we kind of fly through that to get to the, yeah. you know, to the action part. But it's it's nice to see this standard military story being told in this environment, which we've never seen before, and they do it really well. And Tuvok is a really good choice for that, I think.
2: Mm. And it's funny. Yeah, like it is. actually yeah, it is. funny.
0: Yeah, but also like the characters all have good, like there's good conflict because you see both sides of the of the conflict and you get it and you, you feel bad for Tuvok. I don't really feel bad for the Maquis, but I understand where they're coming from. Those guys basically got drafted.
1: Yeah, they did.
2: And they got drafted into the thing that they hate second most. Like yeah. they are not into Starfleet. They they don't dislike it as much as, you know, Cardassians. Yeah
0: they, the, yeah. they hate the Cardassians most, but then, yeah.
2: But yeah. And then now they have to go work for them.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Ugh. Ugh. And they have no choice. Like, they can't, it's not like they can just not do it because yeah. everyone on the ship is needed, so. Mm-hmm.
2: And even if they did, like, do a rebellion, there wouldn't be enough guys no. to run the ship nope. th- at that point. Nope.
1: No, and it's like, you know, they've been, they're used to working a certain way and with, like, you know, these are not guys who are used to a dress code, for one thing. Yeah. And suddenly they're being very much forced to do that.
0: And Tuvok does the boot camp day one thing mm-hmm. where it's like, you know, tuck in that shirt, cut that hair, you know, like that kind of thing. And, uh, yep. and he's great at it because the thing you want in a drill sergeant is absolutely no mercy, no sympathy. Like you can't be able to crack through there. You have to yep. know that he's on, un- un- you know, unreadable, unbreakable. Uh, damn it, they alive. And <sighs> um,
1: It's a miracle. But But really
0: like. Who better than a Vulcan? That's true, because he's never gonna crack. You're never gonna see a way to, to exploit his sympathy or whatever. He's mm-hmm. he's just fucking hardcore.
2: And the fact that he doesn't get angry makes it worse, because anger seems like okay. Well, I can I can, I can get yeah. him to I can yeah. get him I can get him all riled I've up. Beat
0: him in a way. No, no, you can't beat him, which is which is
1: great. You I'm sorry, you can't beat Tuvok. No, he'll uh, get
0: you, Matt. What was your good thing?
1: Ah, uh, what was my good thing? You don't have
0: one written down here.
1: No, it's in my little notebook. Oh, I see. I did mine on the car ride home today, and so I had Mal's little notebook. There's a picture of it on my Twitter.
0: Ah, little, little reporter's notebook?
1: Yep, my ravings of a lunatic. Ah, excellent. Um, I really like Tuvok, or uh, I really like Chakotay punching that guy in the face. Really? <laughs> yep.
0: I like that script-wise, but acting-wise, I, Chakotay's still boring even when he's punching someone.
1: No, I just... I, again, I said this the last time he did something I liked, so I'm going to do it again, because you know what? I'll give him the points when I when I yeah. think he deserves them.
0: No, we did I, this with Wesley, too. Like, we got to yeah. give him where we find
1: him. Yep. No, I fucking, I love his, he sits down and he's like, so, what happened?
0: Oh, yeah, oh. This, is, this is after they, they just walk out on Tuvok. We're yeah, not
2: doing it. We don't give a damn about this yeah, prank. What
1: are, gonna what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Put us off the ship? Put us in the brig? No, we're going to keep doing whatever the fuck yeah. we want. And fucking Chakoday walks in. And if he I, like, he does flip a chair around yeah, and he, rap to them he, though. He, he,
0: he wants to rap with these young Parsons. What
1: there's I would lo- would have loved is if like three other Maquis guys were in the background, saw this, and just fucking ran away. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, oh fuck. And it's just so, what happened?
0: No, there's a great bit of logic there where he's like, mm-hmm. we don't want to do it the Starfleet way. We want to do it the Maquis way. Oh yeah.
1: Oh, you want to do it the Maquis way? Is that it? Yeah. If someone asks you that question, by the way, yeah. you're gonna get punched in the face. Yeah
0: because that's we know they solve mm-hmm. their problems with violence. Later on a big plot point is they do a Kobayashi Maru style simulator and they die and Tuvok's like did it ever occur to you to run away? And that's yeah. one of the major philosophical differences is like no, we don't run away. We I
2: fight. I take issue with that though because the Maquis are a guerrilla fighting group and yeah. all they do is hit and run stuff cuz that's what you do when you're the small scrappy Literally, rebel thing.
0: Literally, the first shot of this series is the Maquis running away yep. from Starfleet. Or no, from the Cardassians at that point.
2: And I'm not saying that's cowardly. No. I'm saying that's good tactics. And yeah. this guy should know all about hit and run tactics because yeah. that's what you do. I
1: but, don't know. The, Dobby's kind of an idiot.
0: I See, it's weird because he seems like the kind of character I would hate, and I do. But he uh-huh. also, he represents literally, ex- except for the mullet. Yeah. Everything I hate about the Maquis all in one package. And if anyone going forward says, What is your deal with the Maquis? Watch this episode, watch that guy. Yep. There's your answer, Fishbulb.
1: Dobby was two bucks.
2: he's
0: nobody's (laughs) friend i don't have any friends
2: no he does he's trying to make friends with that young kid no he
0: even specific because tuvok even specifically asked him have you formed a friendship with him no
1: No, nobody's trying
2: to and people don't
1: like me for some reason
2: (laughs) actually is kind of a weird sequence because he talks about how a woman like teaches him how to love and how to give a care about stuff and he's like i want to do the same thing for this young kid and i'm like what
0: well, like you think Janeway's doing with those other kids, yeah, I guess. Yeah,
2: what, what, what are you doing?
1: What? Okay.
2: You, I mean, seems Seems inappropriate. Oh, wait,
0: so now there's a gay person in Star Trek <laughs> and you're judging after all this uh, complaining?
1: Uh, Amanda, why do you hate gay people so yeah. much? Such
0: a homophobe.
2: I guess so. I, <laughs> guess, I, I guess I'm I guess like a...
0: What you I, really com- hate is yourself.
2: Oh, I guess so. I'm complicated. Uh-huh. I'm a complicated character. Yeah. No. People are going to spend, like, decades just unpacking
0: Uh Mm uh-huh
1: pretty much yeah Yeah,
2: pretty much
0: um but there's some good conflict between the two of them and uh, just in general i did object to um okay tuvok fails initially because i mean that's narratively that's what happens a character does a hard thing and fails and then succeeds that's just how all stories work yep and that's fine except he fails, they walk away, Chakotay has to punch the guy to get them to go back. Mm-hmm. I don't like that. I wish Tuvok had solved it himself. I don't he, like that you, he had to go to dad. Punch them? What's, uh, yeah, actually. The thing is, Amanda pointed this out.
1: I could see that, actually. That
0: Amanda pointed this out. Tuvok, at some point, fooled them into thinking he was one of them. Yeah. So he had to earn their trust somehow. He has to understand them a little bit. Like, That's a
1: really good point.
0: I'd forgotten about that until she reminded me. That but... is
1: also a re- would have been a really good thing to bring up in this episode. Yeah, like you betrayed us. Yeah. yeah he, they... should've, he should've he should have he should have been working with these guys. Well,
0: first of all, they they should still resent him yeah. for that. Yeah. Because we only ever saw Chakotay's reaction to that, which was nothing because his reaction to everything is nothing. <laughs> but hey also guys, I'm not giving like him an that. inch of slack. I'm sorry. He is so fucking boring. But um the, uh, the the other thing is yeah he should have had a little better I mean it worked good for this story that he didn't have great interpersonal skills with them yeah but he should have had some because he did work with them and he knows yeah. how to blend it with them you know? no, that's
1: a really good point I didn't even think of that
0: yeah me neither good I, work Amanda because, because he was Maquis from our perspective for about five seconds we don't mm-hmm. think about it much
2: it's because I'm insightful as well as being complicated it's part of the whole tapestry
0: uh-huh mm. and modest too
2: oh yeah that one all <laughs> <Incredibly laughs> kinds modest. of that one
0: yeah but I I mean in general like that might have worked better that way but I like the way it worked here like I like yeah. cuz it it does end up being and it is a bit of a cliche but they make it work like he's got to learn something they've got to learn something yeah but also as Amanda mentioned in her summary like we thought we weren't doing any of this conflict with the Maquis stuff so it was a nice surprise like no oh, the are. more
1: of the like I am pleasantly surprised <laughs> yeah. every time this happens We're because delivering I was on the so promise. certain it wouldn't
0: yeah, we're delivering on the promise that mm-hmm. there's going to be some conflict.
1: But well, it also hasn't
2: been too much. Like, no. it could have been overwhelmingly, this is the only thing the show was No, about.
0: episodes could slow to a grinding halt when someone just, just refuses to do their job every week, and that yeah. would be terrible. But this is a perfect episode this. It's been a this. good
2: mix. Yeah,
0: mm-hmm. it has. I mean, they might, from what I hear, it doesn't
1: really come up again. But
2: But you know what? If we've talked about it a couple of times and they don't really have anything else to say about it, it's fine.
1: Thing. Yeah, that that's the other thing. Um, it's something that should probably go away as the show goes on. Well, yeah,
0: like, and they specifically singled out the worst ones. Yeah, and put them through a training process to make them better. Like, if so we're still we're having done.
1: them, if we're still having the Maquis pissed off at Starfleet in uh, like season seven, yeah. that's bad writing too. Uh,
2: unless something happens like that brings it up again, like unless they're in a similar situation to what the Maquis were in. Um, oh yeah, and then they have to decide what to do? Like, are they yeah, but I mean, like, the people, like, the indigenous people, or are they going to leave? Or, yeah, but I mean,
1: like, if these guys have just been developing for seven years, you know, just living on this ship or whatever.
0: Well, I do think, and I also think we just had Eye of the Needle not too long ago, and we shouldn't come back to this anytime soon. Mm, but yeah. the next time we're offered the chance to go home, mm-hmm. it would be interesting to explore what happens to these guys. Oh, and yeah. That's a new way to bring up that conflict fresh. is like, okay, we all get along now but Starfleet's not going to understand that, and we're going to jail.
2: You guys all go to prison. And that is, One of our that, beautiful penal colonies.
1: Yeah.
0: Tom Paris can tell you all about it. He's got seven girlfriends <laughs> there. <laughs> but no, seriously, it would be Tom a Tom nice... Paris recommended. <laughs> four stars, says Tom Paris. <laughs> T. Paris of Earth says four stars.
1: <laughs> no,
0: really, though, like, it would be an interesting... And they might do this. I don't know. I don't... Like, I've... I only saw a bit into season two. And after that is completely uncharted territory for me. Like Mm -hmm. we're almost to the point where I don't know any of this anymore, but um, it could be really interesting to establish, Hey, Balana's friends with this guy and like Chakotay's friends with this guy. Like they've all integrated, but now we're in a different context and Starfleet sees this and says, Whoa, what are you doing? Mm -hmm. And then you got to re-realize, Oh shit, we are criminals and this is wrong. And these guys aren't our friends at all. And like,
2: and some of these guys are like um, like B'Elanna and like Chakotay are former Starfleet. Yeah. So they might even be like, huh, maybe I want to do Starfleet after all. They're not going to be allowed to join Starfleet. They're criminals.
1: No, they're filthy Maquis.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Although Amanda and I were talking about this, the Maquis popped up at first in late next gen. Yep. In, in season six or seven, I don't remember which. This, this season of Voyager would be season eight of, of next gen. So we're at best two years into the Maquis even existing. Uh, okay. So there's no real Maquis way of doing much of anything. Like they haven't been committed to this way of life for very long. Mm-hmm. You know what Tim I mean? Like,
2: developed a whole complex system of mores, but uh, like the in a year and a the, half, the uh,
0: the the Cardassian War ended. You know, with all the negotiations and all the demilitarized zones and all that stuff, like two or three years ago.
2: So yeah. I mean, it it might have. There were tensions before that, yeah. and maybe a few guys, you know, doing subversive acts. But, but these
0: guys. I don't want to move to that house. It still only happened two or three years it, ago.
2: It's not like on Bajor or Bajor where. Um, what are you, a you filthy gull? <laughs> where we had like a, gen- a whole generation of people well, that, living this way.
0: But also, we went into DS9. Like, you know, the the, the later seasons of DS9 happened after this chronologically. Mm. So also, the, the Maquis had been around longer at that point. Like, by yeah. the time Eddington became one, they'd been around five or six years. Like we're kind of backtracking chronologically here. We just didn't want to do both shows at the same time because that would have been confusing.
1: That would have been confusing.
0: M- More for me because I barely remember what happens in the one show much less it's both
1: true. shows. It's <laughs> true. And then Cisco said to Janeway, wait, "Wait, what's happening?" Mm-hmm. Well, they never met. Where am I?
0: <laughs> um, Odo. Quark. Cloud. Cloud. Uh, Amanda, what was your good thing?
2: Um, I. I'm glad we got a solidly Tuvok-centered episode. Mm-hmm. I've like in- I've enjoyed him so far as uh, being in the show, and Tim Russ is freaking amazing. Like, well, yeah, like every time, time I about bring him. up like
0: the fact that he yeah. cares so much about his character and about Star Trek in general, and I I really like that.
2: I like it. Yeah, he, he he's really into Star Trek, and that's yeah. Be yeah. into Star Trek. Be he's like He's still the making like. those
0: fan films. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I'm. I they don't always look interesting to me, but I love that he's doing them.
2: And so it was, you know, it was nice to get to know the character better and spend a little time with him that was focused on him rather than him being sort of a background guy. Um, I do wish we had seen him in his little jammies, though. But we got to see Neelix in his little gym Jams last week, which I forgot to mention. In, in last episode. I so is say. this
0: a sexy thing or just no. wanting to see people no, in No, I
2: just jams. like I like their little gym Jams.
0: Okay.
1: Do you, are you just checking people off? At, like, are you playing like Star Trek Jim Jam Bingo?
2: I am. I like to see Jim everybody's Jam little bingo. J- <laughs> Everybody's little Jim
1: Jams.
0: I think that is a sentence that has never been said in the history of the <laughs> English language before. Star Trek Ooh. Jim Jam Bingo.
1: No, if you're... you'd like to play Star Trek Jim Jam Bingo at home, <laughs> write to us for your Star Trek Jim Jam Bingo board.
0: Well, please don't do that. We don't have them. Someone draw one for us. I want them to draw the other thing way more. Aww. I don't remember what it was, but I want
1: them. Send five bucks to Matt's house at...
0: <laughs> Pueblo, Colorado.
1: Walla um, Walla, Washington. No, I Tuvok's. I don't
0: know because, like, I like, I like a lot of these characters. I'm sorry, Flonk, but I, I like just, a lot of these guys. How does it
2: feel to be so wrong, Flonk? So very wrong.
0: And I Tuvok is one of my among my favorites. Mm-hmm. Like he's really good. Like he's different enough from Spock, but similar enough. You know, like it's it's. I don't know. It's a good mix. Oh, I'm he like, makes
2: yeah. me laugh. The scene where he's uh. Telling everyone how they should dress, oh, yeah. and he talks to a uh, girl, <laughs> <laughs> and it's like that is a very
0: festive headband. Uh, your headband is very festive. Yeah, <laughs> I actually,
1: this gave me my my revelation. Tuvok, most sarcastic Vulcan ever.
0: The thing is, this is how like late era Star Trek writes Vulcans. I'm pretty uh-huh. sure all the ones on Enterprise are going to be that sarcastic. And well, that, we're not
1: to asshole Vulcan mode yet. Well, that that That's will be
0: thing. enjoyable. The sarcastic part. But, uh-huh. but they—they're also very, very smug.
1: The sarcastic Vulcan podcast.
2: <laughs> I'm expressing several emotions, to which are several opinions. To which are you referring?
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: no, he's. He, it, I. I really like him. He's among my favorite people yep. on the show, and. I, I kind of knew that going in, but I'm delighted to see that there are like more specific reasons being presented. You know, <laughs>
2: I, I hadn't seen a ton of Voyager. Like, I'd seen part of the first season and a few episodes that were on in between, like Angel, um, when I was younger. And I didn't remember really caring about Tuvok at all. I remember, I mean, I remember thinking he was kind of the boring guy. Uh, but watching it again, yeah, it was good.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs>
2: Young Amanda was an idiot. Can't appreciate good things.
1: <laughs> that's okay, young most people were idiots.
0: Yeah, pretty much. That's what young youngness is for. If times. I ever meet
1: young Matt, I'm going to punch him in the fucking face.
0: Ironically, that's why you hate him, because he's so angry because someone showed up from the future and punched him in the <laughs> face.
2: <laughs> and then the Enterprise
0: explodes. And then the Enterprise explodes. Damn it. Time and again. Ugh. Uh, let's see. Bad things. Amanda, you go first.
2: So, most of this episode is pretty good. The writing is good. The character stuff is solid. Um, I get the conflicts that everyone's having, but there's this one sequence, and I like the beginning of the sequence where Neelix sits down with Tuvok to talk about how He's feeling about how all, or not feeling about how all of this stuff is going on and what's bothering him. And we've he's clearly bothering We've seen
0: Neelix being written well doing the uh, morale officer thing. Yeah. And this is one of those times I would say. Yeah, he's like,
2: I noticed that you're sitting in the wrong spot and you don't have your tea. So something clearly bothering you. What's going on? Yeah. And that part was really good. But then he pulls out this like serious, a flower and something bad happens. <laughs> analogy where he's like you're brittle like this flower that i have over here being brittle is bad uh so knock it off or you will snap like this flower and it just it was a cut below everything else we'd seen in this episode
1: yeah see what you don't know is that neelix uses those flowers to to solve the problems of everyone who comes into uh (laughs) sometimes he just
0: feeds them to people
1: yeah (laughs) sometimes you're depressed like this flower but you should be standing upright and happy like this flower (laughs)
0: You should be eating, like this flower.
1: What? As opposed to not eating, like this flower. <laughs> yeah.
0: No, it was It was a little not great. Um, but the rest of the scene was good, and, and mm-hmm. again, I like when he notices stuff. Like, they did it in the paranoia episode mm-hmm. where he used it to say, like, well, this guy's acting weird because yeah. he's sitting here and doing this. and but in this one, he's just like, nah, no, something's wrong.
1: No, it's it's nice to have competent Neelix. I
0: yeah, especially after the last episode. Mm-hmm. But again, <laughs> as opposed to
1: lungs have been stolen, Neelix.
0: <laughs> my lungs. I,
2: I like lungs have been stolen, Neelix.
0: Yeah, I actually thought he. I bought him more in a serious role in that one than where I. Where did, did my lungs
1: go?
2: My lungs. Neelix is another one where a lot of people talked about not really liking the character, and I mean, he might grate on us later on, but right now, I like that he irritates the crew. I think mm-hmm. he's. I think some of his comic relief is actually a relief, not, like, a relief when it's over. And uh, I like this, except for the flower thing.
0: So far, I haven't loved him as serious guy. Like, I liked him in the Lungs episode, okay, but in this, like, in, in the other one, I didn't. I will say he, um, as comic relief, he's got, he's got the bar of ROM to clear. <laughs> I like him better than I liked ROM, so he's okay by me. He's no ROM.
1: Friend to all children. <laughs> Brother. Still Brother. the worst. Brother.
0: Yep. Um. Let's see. Matt, what was your bad thing?
1: Um. I talked about this way, way, way back when the, it happened the first time, but they did it again, and I'm bad about it again.
0: Okay. You're bad um, about it.
1: Pff, um, fucking, I, once again, not allowed to have uh, religious uh, stuff on, uh, on, the, in, on your ship or on your uniform.
0: Unless you're a Klingon.
1: Yeah, unless you're a Klingon that's not apparently.
0: religious though.
1: The no, the fucking um the Bajoran ba- earring? Yeah, no, no,
0: no, no that the, is, the but the merit badge is But sash. the sash is not Bajoran.
1: Well, either way. Yeah.
0: But
2: like the Klingons are allowed to have their merit badges, but Bajorans aren't allowed to have this little earring.
0: No, I I agree it's a it's a terrible double standard. I'm not denying mm-hmm. that. I just don't think the sash is religious. That's all I'm saying.
1: No, that's fine. Like we get, we got the scene where Tuvok's like, "Huh, oh, festive headband."
0: Mhm.
1: Nice pimp medallion. Yeah. <laughs> nice pimp medallion 70s guy
0: <laughs> oh what's your deal
2: he got it from disco bones <laughs> who's and, still
0: alive somehow
1: yeah. yeah well nothing can kill disco bones no god no but uh then we get to the bourgeois guys like that's right whip it off i know how important it is to your people
0: i, w- I would not hold that against this episode only because they're just going like now it's now it's canon
1: yeah apparently now they're just I-
0: quoting next gen
1: well, now I'm mad about it still. Fair but enough. Next plus, it, plus, it happening again means it's confirmation and not just uh, Riker riding uh, Roe, which was the justification we saw last time. That's a
0: fair, mis- that's a fair point.
2: And uh, Riker gives Roe her earring back at the end of that, and we see lots of Starfleet guys on DS9 with I, their little I think or... that
0: stuff is Captain's discretion, huh. just like I think Troy being allowed to not wear a uniform until uh, Captain Jellicoe showed up. I think that was <gasps> Captain's discretion. And I think Sisko obviously was cooler about it because he's working with the Jorans and he wants them to be cool with him. So, you know, I think Tuvok is looking for things to yell at them for. Yeah,
1: well, but I they... mean, that makes sense. That's the whole drill sergeant thing. Right. But, but... The, like, the fact that Starfleet doesn't have a rule that if, you're, if you have an important religious, artif- like, article... Like you should be able to to I, wear that.
0: I agree with you, but I think ultimately the rule probably says at the captain's discretion and the mm. captain can say yes or no if he wants to be a hard ass or not.
2: Yeah, but Janeway doesn't seem like the sort who would be a hard ass. Which about is this why this guy's thing.
0: been allowed to wear his earring this whole time.
2: And she's got a bunch of Maquis on her ship who are they're not all Bajoran, but there's a lot of Bajoran Maquis. Yeah. So it seems like why make that more difficult?
0: See, that's mm. what I'm saying though. I think she's fine with it. I think Tuvok is not fine with it because he wants to give them a hard time. But I that's think...
2: a double double standard if other members of the crew are allowed to wear it, but girl isn't. Oh, wait, yeah. The no, quiet it, was the, one. it was the quiet yeah. dude. I got confused because her festive headband looked like a Bajoran headband.
1: Right. See, I thought she looked like Gwen Stacy. A little bit. A little but, bit you know. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Headbands will do that to me, though. So. Yeah. Uh,
0: my bad thing. Yes. Uh, this show loves its 90s sounding names. <laughs> Garen is the quiet guy we're talking about. Garen. Mm-hmm. this Jet-trell. started this started with Jabin in the pilot <laughs> and continued into emanations with Patara they just ah, oh, god I hate the 90s so much
1: don't forget Jetrol
0: yeah uh, that, that one's I could take or leave that one but really Garen
1: I don't know that sounded pretty 90s to me yeah. but yeah Garen
0: Garen is the worst Garen just, Get I seriously your... had a hard time finding a bad thing though, because this this is an outstanding episode.
1: Just... Get to your Galens, your Declins. <laughs> no
0: Declan. <laughs> I I just I found this episode like it's care. It was totally character driven with a nice goofy B plot to give you a laugh when the serious stuff is getting a little too serious. It's a perfect balance of like goofy shit and serious character stuff and mm-hmm. insights into new guys, but also insights into existing guys and just everything I wanted from like. When we sat down and said, "Here's what we want from Voyager," this is the kind of episode I wanted.
2: And I didn't think they ever really like when first going into this. I don't think they, I didn't think they ever really paid off that wish, but here it is. Yep.
0: And the, this was the season finale. I mean, it's it's not by design. The network just sort of arbitrarily said, "All right, you're done." Yeah. And actually, the first few episodes of season two are leftovers from the season one production cycle. Ah. So this isn't really written to be a finale, and they even said, "Yeah, this is kind of a weak finale because mm. it's just an episode of the week." But I don't know as quality episodes go, it's yeah really solid. So I mean, what do you? What would you say, Matt? Like, what is your favorite one so far this season? I mean, you might I not would have know to all think, all think about it and go
1: one. over like probably right. I'd have to go over a list of the episodes. Fair um,
0: Amanda, any like while while Matt's thinking about that, any anyone jump to mind for you?
2: Oh. Uh... No, I'd have to look at a list, too. Fair yeah, I, I honestly don't remember. This was a good one. Um, there was another me, good one a couple of weeks back.
0: Well, I Have a Needle was quite good. Prime, needle, yeah. uh, Prime Factors was quite good. Um, let, me,
1: uh, let me get back to you for the... Uh, yeah, the... we'll talk
0: about it on the supplemental more. Yeah. That's the other thing I wanted to mention real quick. Uh, for our supplemental episode, we will be, uh, I believe, we're going to try to do this, uh, live streaming our recording of that. It's going to be Saturday, October 17th, after our live show, since Matt's already going to be here. Yes. Just going to come back to my place and record the supplemental. And we will stream that to uh, uh, via Periscope on our uh, new Post Atomic Horror Twitter account. Don't follow it expecting us to tweet anything, because uh, I don't see the point in having s- separate Twitter accounts for everything. Uh, it's PAH Podcast, at PAH Podcast. Um, Post Atomic Horror like, cut, cut off with one. It was Post Atomic Horror Row. So, almost went with that, but changed my mind. But,
1: now, have you thought of a scary Halloween nickname for it yet?
0: <laughs> well, it's already got horror in the name, Matt. We're pretty much covered. Um, but, yeah, we will be periscoping from that. I don't know the time yet, because it depends on when we get back from the live show. Yeah. Sometime that afternoon slash evening, we will be for an hour or hour or two, however long it takes to record that. Just be And, and the upshot of that is, you, you can watch us as we record it, but more importantly... You can tweet questions at us, which we will answer in real time. Yes. Which I think is a very cool thing to do.
1: Unless they're insulting, in which case we will cry. Uh,
0: you might cry. I can I can hold it together until we turn the camera off.
1: <laughs>
0: anyway, that that is all for season one. So, yeah. Yeah, next, next week is supplemental, like I said. Yeah. Uh, Amanda, would you like to plug your stuff?
2: Oh, yes. Yeah. I uh, do photography as well as talking about Star Trek. Um, and you can see my photography on giantblackalbatross.tumblr.com. I do a photo a day.
0: And I forgot that you also had a quote for this episode because we played a quote previously.
2: Two quotes for this episode. Yes. So Two quote, Amanda.
0: What do you What do you <laughs> got for the other quote?
2: You were talking a little earlier about um, some of the nice comedic moments in this episode, and uh, this one of the Doctor is probably my favorite one.
0: Aha. What? The patient is sick. Can
2: you be more specific?
0: To discuss the patient's condition in front of the patient would be a serious breach of professional etiquette. It's been suggested that I cultivate a greater sensitivity to my patient's needs. Don't worry, my little friend. Yeah, that was pretty great. Matthew, why don't you say your catchphrase? See you, folks. The Post Atomic Horror Podcast is a co production of Ron Algar Watt and Matt Robotham. Copyright 2015. Please don't sue us. We're just doing this.